Hmm. Hello, universe. I guess this is the first time I've recorded since I cracked my Galaxy S4 screen, stepping on it, when I had placed it on a sidewalk. I uh, accidentally backpedaling stepped right on it and cracked it. But it still records, so who gives a shit? Cracked phones are kind of my milieu. But I will say, Samsung Galaxy S7, a phone I have dropped 50 times in other circumstances where phones have break, broken, has survived it all. But that pales in comparison to what the Nokia 100 survived on Sunday. No, it wasn't Sunday. It was Wednesday. Because today is fucking Thursday. No, it was Tuesday. Today's Thursday, the 24th of August. That'd make Friday the 25th, 26th. Yeah, it's 24th of August. It's Thursday. It's 3.34 in the afternoon. And I've been up for about an hour. Well, I mean, I've had a lot of Thursday experience already. I've seen the first seven hours of it. But now I'm up for the remainder of it, which includes an open mic tonight at the Monkey Barrel. woo um, And they have some great pinball machines. So, showing up early with a couple bucks to play pinball is a good idea. And having that fun calendar item on my future agenda means... Uh, I'm so fucking sore from yesterday. And did I explain whatever I was talking about that was two days ago? Oh, so the Nokia X100, I believe is what it's called. As I'm jogging across the street... There's a four-lane street that separates me from Sprouts. Well, and a block. But when you get to the four-lane street, uh, I can either walk up my street, which puts me at the light, crosswalk, all that shit. Or I can go up the alley, which puts me right in the middle of the fucking turning chaos. And so, because the alley is obviously the shorter route, I always take the alley. And that leaves me frequently dashing across 38th Avenue because the openings are only so available. And as I dashed across 38th Avenue on Tuesday, well, I didn't realize I had dropped my phone. Actually, it had fallen out of my pocket. I didn't realize how vulnerable these stupid cargo pant pocket uh, pockets were to any kind of jogging and thus dislodging whatever's in the pocket. It dawns on me because my Bluetooth music stops playing as I'm walking up the ramp toward the front door. And I've gotten so used to this occurrence now, having experienced about 15 instances of, wait, I don't have my phone? Because my Bluetooth speaker shut off. The first time it ever happened, I didn't realize that I had left my phone behind because my Bluetooth speaker shut off until my phone had been stolen. And it took a few more instances of my Bluetooth music cutting out for good, because let's be honest, Bluetooth music cuts out fucking like it's meant to do it. What a sorry-ass solution to wired headphones. Rant aside, the ceasing of my music at this point makes me realize, oh fuck, I dropped my phone in the street. Like, I realize in pretty much real time what's happened because as I turn around, I see it. 
And I'm like, fuck yeah. Because I figure at that point it's already destroyed. And there's no traffic coming from my left, but traffic is starting to come from the right. So I could dash across right now, try to grab my phone off the street and get to the other side. But even I decide that's too risky. So I just sit there thinking, well, it's survived this long. All it has to do is survive that onslaught of cars and it's good. So, of course, every fucking car that goes by hits my phone. Four in a row. They all hit it. As if they've seen it and they're trying to hit it. Oh, which could be possible. I'm not saying that's not something a human being would be thinking. Hey, look at that phone. Bam! Um, But I honestly think it just was in the wrong fucking spot. The funniest part about this is there are two women on a porch across the street who are seeing the whole fucking thing happen as I am. And they're like, oh my God, do they all have to hit it? And, uh, and of course I'm saying the same thing. Uh, and finally the light turns red and I, there's one truck coming and I run out into the lane and literally put my hand up like I'm the Tiananmen Square dude. And with authority, reach down, pick my phone up and show it to the motherfucker. Like I was out here for a purpose. And as I'm walking back to the other side of the curb to Sprouts, I look down and what do you know? The phone's fucking intact. It did crack the plastic piece on the back case, but that's it. The cameras are intact. And I saw this phone flip over. It didn't just get hit on one side. It got hit face down. I mean, seriously. How the fuck did that survive? So, the cracked phone that I'm recording into now, the one that I backed into and stepped on, even though I'd put it on the sidewalk, face down, by the way, face down. It wasn't protected at all. I, I mean, it's, it's like my karma is so even that every time something bad happens, something good makes up for it. And every time something good happens, something bad potentially is in my environment to be realized. Because I can see sometimes the danger traps being set and avoid them. I think in some ways that's what wisdom is. Is you start to see ahead of time with a lot more precision how things are going to go down and then they go down that way. But until you've got enough life experience to see how patterns repeat across the meta cycle of being a human, fuck, humans just look like unpredictable motherfuckers trying to intentionally hit your phone in the road. But the lesson from all of this, if I had to sum it up, is do not trust cargo pants shorts for anything. Fuck, man, I've lost money, phones, uh, my sanity they've all disappeared in a cargo pants pocket that i thought it was secure because some little strip of velcro's there but oh i didn't know the whole stitching at the bottom's coming loose so everything's just gonna fall out that way i mean the only pocket you can trust is your front pocket let's be honest it's the one pocket at least if you're a dude i don't know what it's like for women you don't have as much bulk there but if you're a dude something's in your front pocket i don't care if it's goddamn 38 cents When it turns into 37 cents, you kind of realize something might have disappeared. But anything in a cargo pants pocket, a jacket pocket, a back pocket, 
a pita pocket, a hot pocket. Hello, Jim Gaffigan. Any of that shit, it is about as trustworthy as my cat not going after her wound. I swear, man, it's like the cat is schizophrenic. Well, she's got two personalities. One, the I'm alone in the house. Nobody's here with me. I'm all alone. I'm all alone. And two, okay, I'm fine. Somebody's here with me. Every time I come home now, she has freaked the fuck out. And I haven't found a dead mouse in the house yet. She's alone in the house for eight hours. There's no dead mice when I come home. Bullshit. So I don't think she's doing her job. She's just a needy little cat with a wound she keeps opening. And yet, she's the only friend I got. So I do have to find a way to make her feel better. But how do you make a cat feel better? Like they just, like they give a shit what we do. I love that they are, I guess they call it in the process of domesticating. But cats are the one thing that if humans disappeared, not much changes. Their lives are pretty much exactly what they are right now. They just don't have all these big people walking around. Because <clears throat> they can fend for themselves. You put a cat in the wild, they can find food and avoid predators. Like any good instinctual animal. But you put a dog in the wild, well, a dog doesn't know what to do. It's been fed its whole life. And has gotten to the point where, without that feeding, it won't survive. And it's it's not like dogs have less of a skill set. Any dog versus cat fight, frankly, the dog should be the favorite. But they have one super weakness that cats don't. And that's that unconditional love thing. I am very well aware that the love for my cat is goddamn conditional. That cat doesn't get what it wants. There will be no rubbing against me. Well, actually, that's what she does to get what she wants. She is every bad instinct I ever was. Oh, but if you want me to act like this so that you'll give me that, I'll act like this. Okay, kitty, that doesn't exactly hold water. And sometimes you think to yourself, well... You know, do I really need to rock the boat? Do I really need to be the one? You know, all these other people are doing it this way, even though that's all stupid and fucked up, but I gotta take on the challenge of reconfiguring the entire enterprise here just because I know it's fucking up, or am I just gonna shut the fuck up and go along? And I guess if you're willing to do that a little bit, like any slippery slope, well, then when the opportunity presents itself to do that in a favor that while your compromise is severe, the return is desperately needed, the attention of another, the promotion for more stability, the hmm, family dynamic that's better paralyzed than and sanitized than it is realized. I don't know. I don't... I, 
I don't know where I got all that instinct to fucking do what others wanted or needed or were expecting of me rather than what I knew was true to myself. But whatever angel of mercy came down and said, no more of that shit, dipwad. Or was it no more? I don't remember what they said. But they said something, slapped me up the side with a paddle, and all of a sudden I said, okay, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know why I acted like that. That I agree is fucking awful. And I'm not fucking awful, so I guess I gotta stop acting like that. I didn't actually notice that until the lies had stopped. And of all the things to really distrust, me thinking I was building character or some sort of sense of valiance? Are you joking? Are you fucking kidding me? Come on, douchebag. Nothing like that going on. You're just being a chivalrous individual for reasons that will later determine and reveal themselves to be duplicitous. I mean, I had to think that way. I still think that way. It's not fair to take my entire composition of self and not think that way. Yet, I don't have to think about what I'm saying or what I'm doing or how I'm acting as I proceed through my landscape of simulated challenges, I'm always happy with what I'm bringing. Literally. Like, to to a point where I don't think about it because I, I, I fear if I think about it, I'll start fucking it up. I described it, I think, about a month ago as I really look forward to watching what I do throughout the day. Like, I like myself. I'm... I'm fun. I'm just the best version of myself I've ever been. And so in circumstances that I see on repeat that maybe are repeating from 30 years ago, I mean, we're talking about a lot of time, but my second go around or my new attempt at something I had quote unquote failed miserably at before while watching myself now respond with the sort of, (laughs) Fortitude or valiance or generosity, kindness, empathy, whatever it may be. I'm always really pleased that that's how I handled that. Or that I was able to state that to that person at that time. Or that I was there to do whatever needed to be done at that time. Glad I had that opportunity. I mean, just... (laughs) These overwhelming thoughts of satisfaction, of fulfillment. Just never had anything like that. It's always leaving a day thinking, I could have done better. And lately I just leave a day thinking, wow, what a great day. So much learned. So much contributed. Just glad to participate. And... This change wasn't sought. I didn't try to find a simpler, more meaningful life by stripping down the reality of me and rebuilding it from within. But that's the best description of what's happened. And so why I'm doing this? Well, number one, I see too many unhappy people in the world. 
And stress is a killer in America. Ugh. Once I got out of the stress loops, anything that pulls me in and stresses me out starts to concern me as to why the fuck am I even participating. <laughs> and I will say the Home Depot has a lot of that in it. But at this point, if I don't participate, I'll be homeless with that cat. And yeah, that's the reality we're in. There is absolutely no planet on any other plane of existence where shelter isn't considered a fucking need. It's like this. If you don't have shelter, does your life expectancy reduce? Oh, it halves? Oh, it, you're about one-third the life expectancy if you have shelter versus if you don't? Then that's a need. And the idea that we build anything at all that we are building for future generations, not for ourselves. The process of putting something permanent on the map is that you think you have figured out something important enough that it deserves permanence, like shelter. But whatever. Um, why was I even talking about that? Oh, because it's that little voice in my head that says, well, then get the fuck up and go to Home Depot so you can fucking pay for your shelter. Okay, boys, we will do. Um, so to get back to why I'm so fucking exhausted. Because I literally only want to live with $1 more than I need, that means that when I see things like bicycle tubes being sold in mass for two bucks a piece, and I can go get 20 useful bicycle tubes for 40 bucks instead of six, if I'm lucky. More like four these days with prices. Are bicycle tubes 10 bucks a pop now? Maybe. If they are, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. They were $4 two years ago. Anyway, point is, even though everything's doubled in price in the last two years, I still took four months off from working entirely because there's nothing like the stress-free living of not working. Oh, God, is it great. And you just have to, you have to get to a point where you realize that money is trapping you. Now, money is sustenance. You can't live in a, a 21st century American, well, Civil, well, I won't go civilization, but this country is economically dependent on exchange of goods through money. So without it, you really limit your own life. And since I can't fundamentally change the system from within to that degree in one lifetime, I can only set the seeds for future generations to realize that we fucked it all up. And they can fix it. But having to accept what comes with begrudgingly shuttling off to work. It's always been a place where I just wanted to not look at the clock. And last night, when I worked from 9 till 6 in the morning, it's normally fine. And I'd lift a lot of heavy shit up and down a ladder all night long. It's a pretty good workout, to be honest. One of the reasons I actually like the job. But 
after a 40-mile bike ride to the highest elevated point in all of Broomfield County to go get bike tubes on the cheap? Well, you sit there thinking, okay, God almighty, today has been long because I had been up all night too. So I was running on like 44 hours of fumes and I do mean fumes. I was falling asleep on my last break and I could not stop myself. But, um, the, the ride up, I had no idea I was going to the highest elevated point in Broomfield for one. I just knew I was going 20 miles west and back and that's, Expected elevation. But what it turned into was about a 400-foot climbed hill at the end to this plateau-topped development that, oh my fucking God. I mean, I had to walk the last 20% of it. And even then, I was proud of how much of that hill I had fucking climbed because looking back down at it, I'm like, holy fucking shit, man. Even on a hike... This would make you feel like you accomplished something. That much elevation in that shorter period of time. And, of course, the one benefit to all that work going up is it's a free ride coming down. And the guy was, was good enough to tell me that, hey, if you came up the main road, you need to go down that road. Because that road has a bike trail right next to it. And it goes the whole way. And you will be, uh, you won't have to pedal for a, at least two miles. And he was right. Uh, it was, and it was, it was as fun a downhill as I've had in a long time because it just wouldn't stop. But all that work going up that hill. And then I, and I didn't get home until eight fucking o'clock. I had to be at work at nine. So I scarfed down some cookie dough, took a shower, gave my cat about four minutes of time, Got high as fuck and biked off to work. Got to work literally one minute before I'd be late. And um, and then I have to work <coughs> a special project shift, which involved a whole bunch of stuff uh, that needed to be pulled down from the rafters one at a time. So it was a long, arduous night. And I was asleep literally when I got home. I fell asleep before I could even get... Uh, my keys out of my pocket. You name it, I woke up at 2.30 realizing I'm getting old. Like, this is the kind of shit I used to do is, well, until the 10-year gap I took from doing this kind of shit, but up until I was 45, I wouldn't even think about it. Some days, obviously, would be hard and you'd feel it the next day, but there was like a moment last night as I'm falling asleep in my break thinking, I've exhausted myself to the point I can't finish my obligation here. Like, I need to be more aware of my health. And I've always thought, well, if you can push yourself to an extreme, that just means you show yourself how much you can do. Your body will respond. And it will. I'll get stronger from this. I will be more uh, capable the next time I want to sprint up a hill. Um, but... September, I think, has to be another sober month for me. I just, I feel like if I have two sober months a year, one every six months, that's about the right check-in to do not just am I smoking too much weed, but also to do 
Am I getting as much exercise as I need? Because I think vaping and some of the other ingestion of marijuana, smoking it, whatever that I do, I'm not sure it doesn't affect my lungs. Because as much as I was proud, looking back down at that 80%, I had to be honest with myself that I quit with 20% to go. Like I finally, and there were so many times that I wanted to get off my fucking bike and walk. But I forced myself into a lower and lower gear until, until I couldn't do it. I couldn't make it up that fucking hill. And even as I'm texting him that I'm, I'm running late, this, this hill is a killer. He didn't know I was riding my bike till right then. He said, are you on your bike? I said, yeah. He's like, well, if you came up the main hill, I'll come get you right now wherever you are. I was like, no, it's okay. I'm almost there. So when we get there, he's telling me, yeah, I've never made it up that hill. I've tried it numerous times. If you got as far as you did without getting off your bike, better than I've ever done. And so you have to think to yourself, okay, well, fuck, man. Maybe that hill's impossible. But it can't be impossible if you can get to 80% of it on your first run. It's very possible in that situation then. Because I'm pissed at myself for not finishing it then. So there's no way I would live in that house without having run that hill at least once. But that's me. I don't know why I'm saying any of this stuff. It's not what I got on to talk about. I actually got on to talk about the pussification of men. I think I have some data there that matters. But it's too much to talk about now. I got an open mic night tonight. Gotta go be the messiah. Or at least the questioning of what the messiah... And here's the other thing, right? I mean, you, you can't send the messiah to planet Earth to be the messiah from the get-go. It doesn't make sense. We're fucking helpless as toddlers, as teenagers. And and I don't care if you are the most rational speaking nine-year-old of all time, who, if you will just listen to this nine-year-old and do what they say, your life will get better. You're a fucking nine-year-old. I'm not going to listen to you. So, it seems like if you're the Messiah, you would have to have gone through a whole functioning period of life where you didn't realize it, or else what the fuck good are you? you telling people stuff from the time you're nine, you're going to just annoy people, and they're just going to turn off to all that shit. So, the real Messiah would have to come from somewhere valid. Something they earned a point of view. Somewhere where they they had skin in the game. You don't listen to somebody who doesn't bring context and framework that you can see has valid validity. It doesn't even have to have valid validity. It can just have validity. But it has to have that. And the Messiah from the get-go? Well, they ain't got that.